This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. It may be shocking, but absolutely true. An editorial piece came out in the Israel National News today. The title, After Netanyahu, Mashiach. After Netanyahu, Mashiach. Mashiach is the Hebrew word for Messiah. So it reads for us in the English world, After Netanyahu, Messiah. What do you think that might mean? Should it be something that we should take heed to? Should it be something that we should uh, give any measure of truth to? Well, maybe, maybe not. So what does it reveal? It reveals a couple of things. Number one, it reveals a sense of growing expectation for the coming of the Messiah in Israel. Secondly, it reveals the frustration of the people in Israel that the Messiah has not come yet. Third, it reveals that the Jewish people have attached a rather considerable significance to Benjamin Netanyahu, who is the longest-serving prime minister in Israel history, for what he was and what many expected him to accomplish. Not to be the Messiah, but to prepare the way for the Messiah in Israel. And so I walk you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Myers. Conversation, as always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms, and we're not going to spend the whole time talking about that because it sets the stage. It sets the stage for the other things that we're going to be talking about here on the program today, all which reveal aspects of the preparation for, yes, you guessed it, the coming of the Messiah. Now, the Jewish people were not expecting Jesus, Yeshua. They weren't expecting him in the first place. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as would receive him, to them he gave authority to become the sons of God, even as many as would believe on his, that is, Jesus' name. What were they looking for? Well, they were looking for a Messiah, but they were looking for someone on their terms. They were looking for one like King David, who would uh, deliver them from their enemies and who would come in and ride in military victory and uh, cause Israel to stand before the nations of the world in final dominant power. That's what they were looking for, somebody to deliver them in glory from the Romans. It didn't happen. They weren't looking for a humble servant. They weren't looking for an obedient son of God, pure and holy, to become obedient to God the Father, which Israel had not been, and to become their replacement to take their pain and their punishment for their sin in their stead. They weren't looking for that, and so they didn't recognize him. 
They just didn't recognize the Savior. And, in fact, the leaders called for his crucifixion because of their envy of him. You say, envy? That crucified Jesus? Yes, that's what crucified Jesus. Pontius Pilate, that uh, very horrific Roman governor, brutal as he was, when he had Jesus before him to question him at the request and demand, actually, of the high priest and uh, the various religious leaders of the Sanhedrin in Israel, after questioning him, not only did he say, I find no fault in this man, but he also it is also said that it, he understood that it was but for envy that they brought him. Envy. Envy is a nasty thing, friends. We've talked about it here before on this program. It, uh, ha- it is what took Joseph into the pit by his uh, brothers, who were called the children of Israel. It is what caused Jesus to be crucified. It is what caused each one of the apostles ultimately to meet their death at the hands of the very same people. It's what caused the Apostle Paul to be persecuted immeasurably throughout his life. And envy is just a horrible thing. Interestingly, in Israeli politics, they went for two years plus and had four elections, and they could not establish a government. Why couldn't they establish a government? Because of envy. Envy was driving the Israeli election. So greatly was it dividing, uh, driving the Israeli election that it actually caused the rise of hatred, the very same kind of hatred that crucified Jesus to be directed to Benjamin Netanyahu. Now, we're not trying to relate Benjamin Netanyahu to Jesus, so don't don't think that that's what we're trying to do. But it was the very same spirit, the very same envy, that resulted in a kind of political violence in Israel, driven by hatred and envy. To get rid of Netanyahu at all costs, no matter what he had done to protect Israel, just as many in the United States of America, through the very same motivation, did everything they could to dishonestly get rid of Donald Trump. For the very same reasons. It's fascinating to see how we don't learn from history. But interestingly, Benjamin Netanyahu stands in a unique place, and apparently some of the key rabbis in Israel thought so. Because there is an article called After Netanyahu Mashiach that came out today that indicates that Benjamin Netanyahu had uh, some very interesting connections, and I use that term a little bit loosely because these Uh, rabbis actually kind of came to him. They were standing in their position as rabbis, but saw in Benjamin Netanyahu something very unique. 
For instance, uh, one, Lubavitcher Reb Ziel was keen to convey, we want Mashiach now. We don't want to wait. In other words, we want a Messiah, and we want him right now. We don't want to wait. Well, you can understand that not wanting to wait. But the reality is that they didn't get Messiah. So what changed, what hasn't changed, is that Messiah has yet to arrive. So that rabbi, Reb, implored Netanyahu to do something to hasten the Messiah's coming. To which Benjamin Netanyahu replied, We are doing it. But the rabbi was implying in the meeting that Netanyahu's daily mission should be to hasten the coming of the Messiah, and to that effect, he gave his blessing. We want to go on with this and then pick up a whole series of events that have taken place. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Are we about to see the Messiah? According to many in Israel, it could be around the corner. With the piece that came out in Israel National News today, titled, After Netanyahu, Messiah, it tells us the level of expectation that is growing in Israel, particularly among Orthodox Jews. Why would I share an article with you, an opinion piece like this with you, if perhaps the underlying so-called truth that Benjamin Netanyahu was to lead Israel to the Messiah is not actually a truth? Why would I share that with you? It's because of something that we called uh, in the law the hearsay rule. I want to share something with you about that hearsay rule people don't understand. The fundamental rule is that hearsay is unacceptable, cannot be received as evidence in a court, in a trial. Hearsay. Why? Because it's deemed to be unreliable. Deemed to be unreliable. But one of the exceptions to the hearsay rule is that if the testimony or statement of hearsay is against interest, then it can be received because that amplifies its credibility. Another exception is that you can allow a statement to come in that's otherwise hearsay so long as it's not being used to prove the truth of the matter that's asserted in the statement. And that's the reason why I bring some of these pieces before you here on Viewpoint today, including the one called After Netanyahu, Mashiach, or Messiah. I am not presenting this to you to try to claim that somehow Benjamin Netanyahu is directly related to the coming of the Messiah. Rather, I'm using it as a means to show 
our listeners and hopefully captivate our attention that this is indeed the expectation in Israel. It shows their increasing hope and how the election that just took place in Israel is seemed from many people's perspective to actually compromise the coming of the Messiah. So let us proceed. Mr. Bennett now has been, Naftali Bennett has been elected as the prime minister. Uh, he was the former love child of the religious Zionists and the settlement movement. But from the Jewish perspective, he has undercut the people of Israel in more ways than obvious. Besides forming a left and Arab-leaning government that is counter to the will of the people, and besides agreeing to legalize illegal Arab settlements, he is undercutting the messianic hopes of many, the hope that somehow, out of all our recent hardships, our redemption is at hand. As if Bennett could abrogate God's will, but losing hope, said the writer, is no laughing matter in Israel, especially for a nation such as Israel. Our national anthem is called the hope. We are in Israel because of that hope, and it is the big reason why Jews, and I dare say even Christians, are still around in the world. We've been holding on and waiting for so long to something to happen, waiting for our redemption. As the message of the Lubavitcher Reb, that is Rabbi Ziel, was taken to convey, we want Mashiach now, and we don't want to wait. So, Netanyahu was cast out. Mr. Trump was cast out. But what hasn't changed is that Messiah has yet to arrive. So the rabbi implored Netanyahu to do something to hasten the Messiah's coming, to which Netanyahu replied, we're doing, in other words, we're doing what we can. The rabbi was implying in that meeting with Netanyahu's daily mission should be to hasten the coming of the Messiah, and to that effect, he then gave his blessing to Benjamin Netanyahu. The rabbi told Netanyahu that we will have to struggle with 119 other Knesset members, but that he should not be intimidated because God is on his side. And that should lead to the coming of the Messiah. In fact, a prediction attributed by some to the rabbi is that Netanyahu should remain in power long enough to hand the keys over to the Messiah. Interesting, isn't it? A similar prediction attributed to the late rabbi Yitzhak Kaduri is that Netanyahu would serve a very long time in office after which the Messiah would come. Now, what will Benjamin Netanyahu do now that he's out of office? We don't know. However, what we do know, and what this article asserts is, the Messiah will come, and then calls, please God, send the Messiah. <clears throat> now, that having been said, to set the stage for the balance of the program today, I urge you to continue to listen because... There is much, much to grab your attention. The first, going back to Israel, is this. 
Israel has already tested a digital shekel cryptocurrency. This came from the Jerusalem Post today. Israel has already done a pilot test of a digital shekel uh, cryptocurrency. The Bank of Israel uh, revealed, perhaps accidentally, at a conference of the Fair Value Forum uh, there in Herzliya, uh, Israel. Now, this is a big deal. This is a very big deal. Amid all the talk about Bitcoin, about all the talk about cryptocurrencies, that Israel has already tested a digital shekel cryptocurrency? What it's telling us, friends, is not that Israel's digital shekel shekel cryptocurrency will be the governing currency of the world. It's that the mind and heart of Israel has already joined with the mind and heart of the world to shift from currency to a digital economic and financial world. This is very big. Why is this very big? Because it's that digital financial world that will usher in the mark of the beast. That's why this is so significant. There must be a one-world order with a one-world currency, but it's not going to be a currency. This is telling us, no, the entire world now, including Israel, has set its direction, its focus on a digital cryptocurrency. Who understands what that means? I don't. Maybe you do. Maybe you're a lot smarter than I, and that's probably true. (laughs) But what I do understand is that it's going to be digital. It's going to be ubiquitous. That means everywhere. And you'll have no alternative. And that's why. In Revelation chapter 13, it says that this mark that will be the shall we say, the sign of your allegiance to this new global government that's in process of being formed as we speak will be your receiving of a mark. And as we know, as you know, if you've been listening to this program long, you know that on March 13th, 2020, Bill Gates and Microsoft fired a patent uh, application with the United States Patent Office to set up the mechanistic, the the mechanism in order to accomplish this. Not that it was the cryptocurrency itself, but it was a nano dot device to be inserted, applied to every human being for the purpose of complete management, government management, control, and economic transactions that all economic transactions would be accomplished through this particular little tiny microscopic device. Nanodots. Smaller than microdots. Nanodots. And Israel now has tested a digital shekel cryptocurrency to jump on the bandwagon for the development of 
a cashless society and the new digital order. Let us move from there. A government helicopter discovered unauthorized church service, pastor put in handcuffs. The moment that local governments in the Western world began to issue guidance or full-on mandates for religious gatherings in the early days of the pandemic, many were concerned that society had stepped onto a very slippery slope. So we fast forward 15 months later, and we're seeing pastors arrested in front of their children after their underground church services were discovered by a police helicopter. As this writer says in the Western Journal, this is the stuff of tyranny and totalitarianism not Western-style democracy. Yet here we are. This last week, Pastor uh, Tim Stevens of Fairview Baptist Church was arrested outside his home as his distressed children cried, all for holding a church service discovered the day before by a police helicopter. It was unclear whether the helicopters were searching for unauthorized church services or just happened to notice the gathering. But, while police vehicles were later seen circling the service, which included group worship and a sermon from Pastor Stevens, they did not move in and attempt to stop the gathering. The minister was arrested the following day for violating a court order that restricted him from holding services. Are you beginning to see what is happening here? Is government intentionally targeting Christians for persecution? Friends, this is just the beginning. We've seen it happening a number of times in Canada. We've seen it happening in the United States, in the West Coast, all over. It's happening. This is part of the birth pangs that Jesus talked about before the coming of the Messiah. Remember, we set the stage concerning Israel's expectation of the Messiah, even as it related, perhaps, to the role of Benjamin Netanyahu from their perspective. We're not saying it is related, the coming of the Messiah is related to that. That is what they expected. But it shows a state of mind. You see, Oftentimes, hearsay is allowed to be received not for the purpose of proving the matter asserted in the statement, but to show a state of mind. But how about this? Do you have an account with Wells Fargo, one of the largest banks in America? Well, Wells Fargo without apology and without much explanation, shut down a bank account for America First activist Lauren Witzke, but has denied it had anything to do with her conservative beliefs and politics. Today it's Lauren. Yesterday it was Gab. Andrew Torvo, the chief uh, of Gab.com, who also has faced similar banking obstacles because of politics, but tomorrow can be you. Here's the interesting thing. Lorne Witzke was a Republican candidate for Senate in Delaware in 2020. 
She confirmed the bank corporation shut down her bank account, removing her money from the entire system. It left her with a zero balance, and she was out of uh, state, or I think out of the country at the time, left her stranded. They completely removed money from her account and closed her account. If it had not been for friends out of state at the time, she would have been in deep trouble. The lack of explanation from Wells Fargo as to why they closed Witzke's bank account opens questions as to why the decision was taken to begin with. Did it have anything to do with her Christian conservative politics? She's a Christian Broadcast Network contributor, has stood up for America First policies, including joining with other conservative activists. Now, it seems that Wells Fargo has gone totally woke. Are you beginning to see the process here? We'll be back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Uh, today we're taking a look at the birth pangs. The birth pangs completely preceding, ushering in the coming, the second coming of Yeshua, of Jesus, the Messiah, the Holy One of Israel. Jesus talked about these birth pangs in Matthew chapter 24, the day, a couple of days before his crucifixion. When his disciples there on the Mount of Olives asked him what would be the sign of his coming and of the end of the age. The first thing he said is, take heed that no man deceive you. And that was the thing that was most uh, poignantly on his mind at that time. But he also went on to describe a whole series of uh, uh, categorizations of events that would take place immediately preceding the coming of his, his coming. And uh, they're called birth pangs, just like a woman uh, who's pregnant will have uh, ever-increasing, more uh, gripping birth pangs until finally that child is born. Jesus analogized, then, uh, his coming to these ever-increasing birth pangs or circumstances that would take place in the world until he came. Well... Today on Viewpoint, we're taking a look at a number of these that have just developed right here uh, in the last few days, right in front of our eyes. Uh, we're getting these uh, reports from all over the world. Uh, by the way, today we received a contact from the UK. How can we get a copy of 
Antichrist in the UK. How can we get a copy of this book in the UK? Well, uh, at the moment, there are only two ways, basically, or three ways. One is to order it from our website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Yes, you'll have to pay a little bit of uh, postage to get it over there, but it might be well worth the price to get it. Secondly, uh, you can uh, get it on Kindle. Kindle, uh, or you can get it via uh, audiobook. So it's available in all of those different ways, uh, but people are increasingly requiring that book. I have been on numerous radio and television programs just in the past uh, a couple of weeks, and it's quite interesting to see what has happened. Uh, what is happening all over the world, all over this country, as people are increasingly demanding, uh, requesting that book. Uh, This very day, uh, boxes uh, full of of those book packages were taken uh, to the post office as people are responding increasingly. They see the signs that are happening. They're saying something very unique is taking place. I need to understand it. I need to have a better understanding of why Jesus warned about this coming Antichrist figure, why the Apostle Paul warned about him, why John warned about him. And so, the book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. We could say, How to Identify the Soon Coming Imposter, because We can see these developments taking place right in front of our eyes. It is amazing. It's utterly amazing. So the book is a $23 book. It's yours on our website. Go to our website, saveus.org. Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. Actually, I think it's a $22 book. (laughs) Right now I've got a senior moment, so you'll forgive me. But you'll find it right there on the website, saveus.org. It's uh, 465 pages, so it's well worth. Uh, This is not some skinny little book that uh, you're being charged some exorbitant amount for. No. Uh, We tried to keep the price as low as possible for the amazing content that this book has. So uh, avail yourself of it on our website, saveus.org. Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Okay, now we move from that to a very unusual statement. The Biden COVID czar, President Joe Biden's former coronavirus czar, scolded Americans for not sacrificing enough during the past year to stem the pandemic. Andy Slavitt resigned as a senior advisor to the White House pandemic response team last week. But he suggested that Americans were selfish and have only themselves to blame for the tragedies of the past year. So he's saying Americans should be ready to sacrifice a little bit more in the next pandemic. All right, there are two things that we can take just from the title. Number one, this gentleman, 
did not think that what happened in America, shutting down the economy, causing you to have to stay in your home, not send your kids to school, all of the financial aspects that uh, people losing their job, businesses closing, hundreds of thousands of businesses closed across the country, he didn't think that was sufficient sacrifice. So what in the world is he thinking? Would you like to know? We'll get to that in just a moment. The next thing he says is they need to be able to sacrifice a little bit more in the next pandemic. The next pandemic? What does he know that you don't know? Maybe he knows what Bill Gates knew a year and a half or two years before the COVID uh, pandemic. Even a few months before, when they had dry runs to how to prepare for it. Oh, so it didn't come on us suddenly. Apparently, there was something that was well known, something that was expected. And now they're expecting another one? Why? Control, friends, is about control. Remember what Dr. Burke said about six months ago on television? She said we were shocked. Dr. Fauci and I were shocked that the American people would respond so quickly and readily to our restrictions. Apparently now they realize, okay, we got them. Now we need to bring on the next iteration of restrictions, but we're going to need another pandemic. We're going to need another situation to come along. Remember, never let a crisis go to waste. That was Rahm Emanuel's uh, 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 theme, never let a a crisis go to waste. He was the the chief honcho for uh, uh, Mr. Obama, President Obama. Never let a crisis go to waste. That's the Democratic theme. Never let a crisis go to waste. So if if one isn't coming, then create one. So now they're talking about the next pandemic. But that's not all. This came today. Climate lockdown. Globalist elite call for extreme measures to tackle climate change. Now, it's not just a, a, a lockdown for pandemic. <clears throat> the globalist elite are calling for the equivalent, this is a quote, equivalent of a coronavirus pandemic scale lockdown once every two years to tackle climate change. Once every two years? Really? Wow. Under a climate lockdown, governments would limit private vehicle use, ban consumption of red meat, impose extreme energy-saving measures, while fossil fuel companies would have to stop drilling, according to various reports. As COVID-19 spread, governments introduced lockdowns in order to prevent a public health emergency from spinning out of control. In the near future, the world, they say, may need to resort to lockdowns again 
this time to tackle a climate emergency. That's coming from a professor in economics of innovation and public value at University College of London. Her report can be found on the United Nations Department of Economic and Social Affairs Economic Analysis section of their website. Are you beginning to see how desperate these world leaders are to usher us into a situation of absolute economic and physical and, yes, even emotional control? That's what it's about. It's about complete control. They want to bring you and me to a place of absolute dependency upon government. But not your government, the government of the world, the new world government, called the new world order. Now, how might that be accomplished? Well, I'm glad you asked. An interesting article came out today called from the World Tribune called Putin the Killer U.S. imports of crude oil from Russia surged to record levels beginning in March. Now what does this have to do with control? Well it has to do with the diminution friends of America's oil and gas Israel's oil and gas so that we will be totally unable, both economically and through energy, to resist the coming global order. That's what we're looking at. The making it impossible to resist the coming global order called the Great Reset. It's coming. This is what they're about, and it's set to be put into final action in eight and a half years. 2030. We'll be back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. In order for America's energy and economy and military to be put in a position so it cannot resist the new global order, the Great Reset, 
it will be necessary to undo America's energy capability and America's financial capability and America's spiritual capability and America's social capability. All of these things are happening as we speak. And they're being done with intentionality. Now we deal, according to the World Tribune yesterday, Team Biden's assault on the U.S. energy industry has resulted in record imports of crude oil from Russia. And the trend is expected to continue in the coming months. I thought Mr. Biden accused Donald Trump of conspiring with Russia. Now we find that the real one benefiting Russia is not Trump, but Biden. It's amazing. Imports of crude oil and petroleum products from Russia reached 23 million barrels this last March, the highest level since August of 2010, according to the International Energy Agency. Russia has become the third largest oil exporter to the United States. Why are we receiving oil exported to the United States? I thought we were energy independent. Well, we were under Donald Trump. But we're not now because Joe Biden has made sure that that would not be the case. After all, how can he fulfill the expectations of those that have put him into office behind the scenes to prepare the way for the new global order, the Great Reset, if he doesn't undermine America's energy and economy? He must do that. So now, instead of being energy independent, we are receiving oil and gas from other countries. And Russia has become the third largest oil exporter to our country. Russia, which means Russia has us over a barrel. And not only that, friends, you know, of course, that Joe Biden decided to allow the pipeline to go from Russia into Germany. He allowed that pipeline to go through that Mr. Trump had said he would prevent. Now, why would he do that? To benefit Russia. But I thought Mr. Biden was supposed to be opposed to Russia. No. No more than Mr. Obama was opposed to Russia. Remember Mr. Obama leaning over to the then Prime Minister of Russia, the President of Russia, and saying, just wait till after the election, and then I can be more free to provide things for you. He wasn't against Russia. He was currying Russia. As is Mr. Biden. So, last month we saw a record almost 6 million barrels of Russian crude oil discharged in the United States, and it's projected that that record will increase to 7.5 million barrels uh, this month. Soon after the 20, January 20th inauguration, Joe Biden shut down 
the Keystone XL pipeline, remember that? And he ordered a pause on new oil and natural gas permitting on public lands. What did that do? It devastated the U.S. energy industry that had flourished under President Donald Trump and made the U.S. energy dependent instead of independent. So it seems that the Biden administration is going out of its way to disadvantage the American producer while buttressing the Iranian and Russian industries. So Biden has tipped us into oil dependence on Russia just a year after complete independence. It's a geopolitical gift to the Kremlin. But not only has he done that, by opening up that southern pipeline from Russia to Germany, he actually facilitated making Germany the largest uh, economic producer in, in Europe, made them totally subject to Russia. You say, how so? Germany receives 70% of its energy from Russia. So now, what Mr. Biden did was make Russia, enable Russia to have virtual complete dominion over Germany's economy. Also, he's bringing down the economy of the United States and our energy so that we will not be able to resist the driving efforts of the Great Reset and the New World Order. U.S. oil production has fallen by 1.7 million barrels per day from a year ago, so a large part of that void is being filled by Russia. During Trump's term, America was competing with Russia and Saudi Arabia to be the world's dominant oil and gas producer. Yet under Biden, we're retreating from that race in the name of climate change. Now you're beginning to see how these dots connect. This is about climate change. They're using climate change for control. This is being used, the worship of Mother Earth rather than Father God, is being used now to manipulate and control the entire Western world to succumb to the demands of a one-world government. So Biden now is delivering jobs and cash to Putin's Russia. And you thought Mr. Biden referred to Russians, the Russian strongman, Vladimir Putin, as a killer. Apparently he doesn't believe he's a killer. Or if he does believe he's a killer, he wants to facilitate his killing, energy, uh, killing abilities to be able to take America down. These things are astounding when you think about it. It's hard to get your mind and heart around them, isn't it? But they are happening. And these reports are coming from all over the world, even today. Here's another one. We'll finish with this one. School urges students to report their peers and teachers for microaggressions. The upcoming school year will be one where everyone is encouraged to become a snitch. The 
this is just amazing. In one Massachusetts school district, which they're asking students and faculty to snitch on one another this coming year, should they suspect someone of being guilty of committing a microaggression? What's a microaggression? Any little thing that you're not happy with, any little thing that affects your feelings, any little thing that you think uh, might be a problem, responding to incidents of bias or discrimination, uh, what they're looking at is a divisive new policy. It's like a blueprint for how to transform the New England school system into an extension of the old Soviet Union, uh, kind of like a, a neo-Marxist values a system becoming more normalized in our blue states. In Wellesley, Massachusetts, the anti-discrimination policy at first reads like something you expect, in the 21st century, and doesn't it all appear to go too far at first? But then, it says, discrimination based on ancestry, race, color, gender, identity, sexual orientation, religion, national origin, disability, or any other state or federally protected category is not tolerated. Who wants to see anybody go after people but there's more to it. Now they're being asked to recruit as snitches. These guidelines transform youth banter and playful statements into what you expect would be interpreted as full example of colonial privilege. Anything that a kid says. So kids are being asked to rat out their peers and educators over alleged discrimination or any concerning pattern of biased behavior, whatever they think is biased. And the reports can be made anonymously. A code for tell us who hurt your feelings and we'll destroy them? This is scary stuff, friends. And if you think that is where it will end, you got another thing coming. Jesus talked about this. Did you know that? He said, The time is coming when children will report their parents, parents will come against their children. Husbands will come against wives. Wives will come against husbands. Why? Driven by fear? Driven by an increasing godless culture that is seeking to create absolute control through fear. And fear has torment. The Bible says fear has torment. This is the reason why, friends, we take these things so seriously here on Viewpoint. We're preparing the way of the Lord for history's final hour. We're not here to sensationalize anything. The purpose is clear. The purpose is to prepare your mind and heart so that you will not be taken unawares. The Bible says that that is what we're to do. Fathers are to do that for their children. Mothers should be doing that with their children. A father who does not prepare 
his children, as a Christian does not prepare his children for the things that are coming upon the earth, is betraying his trust. I'm sorry, he's betraying his trust. He's not acting like a father. A pastor who will not prepare the people for the times that are coming, who will not seriously prepare the people, is betraying his trust. Trust is a very big thing. What's going to happen with all of the nice, soft, pleasantries of many pastoral messages that are scratching people's itching ears day after day, week after week, year after year? What's going to happen when all of these things that the Bible tells us are going to take place actually take place? Well, they are. Just this day, today, I shared with you at least half a dozen or more, more than half a dozen items that all show the dots that need to be connected to help us to understand where things are going. My wife and I talk about this in our time together in the mornings. I mean, this isn't the only thing we talk about. We read the Word Right now we're reading through the book of Leviticus, not necessarily the most exciting book to read, but there are aspects of it that are important. And then we talk about other aspects and apply the scriptures in our lives. We talk about our children, our grandchildren. We talk about you. We talk about our congregation. We're very concerned about preparing God's people. Are you concerned? What are you doing about it? For starters, you might want to get a copy of the book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. $23 on our website, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries at $5 for postage and handling. These are tough times. Indeed, they are. But when the going gets tough, the tough have to get going, and the just shall live by faith, not by fear. By faith, not by fear. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Lord willing, the creek don't rise. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.